What is up, everyone? My name's Danny, and this is the It Makes Sense podcast. I was doing some research the other day for the episode, and I came across this website called askaphilosopher.org. And this article that I saw, the title of it is Secular View on the Meaning of Life. How do you answer these questions? Why do we exist? What is our purpose? And what happens after death? The answers I am going to suggest avoid altogether any religious reference or transcendental approach for the simple reason that I don't think there is any evidence for the existence of the transcendent, which is, you can understand that as supernatural, and therefore no reason to seriously entertain the notion. The evidence that they say that they've seen is not there. And so questions like these three, these are three questions, and I think about it. What is our purpose? Why do we exist? And what happens after death? I think we can all say that we've all asked those questions. And if not on one occasion, probably many, many occasions. Myself, you, my producer, Josh, we've all asked these questions. And in asking these questions, we're seeking a why usually. You know, why do we exist? And, and, and if we do, what's the purpose of our existence? There's got to be, right? So he's saying there's no reason to even entertain these, these questions because he doesn't think there's evidence for it. And this is what, what they wrote for the first question, their answer to this even though he doesn't think that we need to even answer them. So in order of appearance, he says, why do we exist? As best as we can tell, we do not exist for a reason, i.e. human existence, or for the, that matter, existence in general, does not have what Aristotle would have called an ultimate cause. It has only material causes, the sort of causes that are better understood as answering how rather than why questions. We exist because we are one of millions of different products of billions of years of biological evolution that took place on what is likely billions. So science is there to help us gather data that we've observed and tested to understand our physical universe, okay? And with that, it's, it's basically looking at the how. So how did, does the cell come together? How, how did... Um, you know, evolution, how did that work? Big Bang Theory, they're, you know, they propose these questions uh, and theories, and now they're trying to figure out how those things happen by looking at what we have today and, and looking and testing observable um, things that this is the data, it supports it or doesn't support it, okay? So that's why we have some things are laws, some things are theories, some things are still in hypothesis. A lot of stuff has been, you know, discounted and disproven. No reason for why questions, which is, these are the questions that, that he's addressing right now are the why questions. We are a biological machine, as I said, formed unintentionally, accidentally, because of a long string of chances. And when I say long, folks, I, I, I will we'll talk about this a little bit more in depth another time. But the the chances, the the random chances that this could have happened is um, at best improbable. You'd think about that and all those things unintentionally, accidentally, somehow formed and came together. And when I say chances, there had to be many, many, many failures before we were able to get what we've got today. Our existence, he says, is rare and unique because of specific conditions required for life. That specific conditions is uh, what we call fine-tuning. Uh, we'll talk about that here in a minute. But again, he said this is unintentional and accidental, but rare and unique. And I agree, very, very unbelievably rare. If there's no reason for our existence, then in who or what do we place our hope? If mankind's still doing what he's doing today, why hasn't there been a change yet? Why haven't we seen an evolutionary change yet that man stops doing it? Why do we not acknowledge what science has already proven? All things that come into being have a cause. 
<clears throat> and if the universe had a beginning and came into being, why don't scientists acknowledge and admit that science says the universe had to have a cause? Number three, if why questions are not required to be asked, why do we ask them? That's plain and simple. We are simply biological machines. Does that mean we have free will? Assuming because we are programmed biological machines, we do not have free will, Would then how do we explain the human desire to improve or make better our lives, our societies, and our planet, which goes back to the hope question. There's overwhelming evidence of design in our universe. We can't deny that. Knowing this evidence and conceding that most assuredly we are the only planet to have evolved life, which he admits, and human life at that, in the entire universe because of the extreme specific conditions, fine-tuning, required to create and sustain life, how does the evolutionary claim of randomness hold up when there is no evidence provided by scientific discovery to support it? And in addition, how does random evolution become ordered and evolve into beings that they themselves create and design? Answers that the Christian worldview will have on this. God created us, and for his pleasure. Now, when I say for his pleasure, I'm not saying like he has we're puppets on a string. For his pleasure, meaning that he wants to have a relationship with us. He, he loves us, and he wants to be with us. Okay? Revelation 4.11 says, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. Colossians 1.16, For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. So God is a creative being. He likes to create. All right. He needs nothing. He does not need us. He is not lonely. He loves us, again, but does not need us. And, and he created us for his glory because we are image bearers. We are created in his image. That, that's a huge special privilege. So as his image bearers, we're drawn towards worshiping him, serving him, and fellowshipping with him. We don't do it out of obligation. We do it because we want to, because we acknowledge and recognize who he is, the creator of the universe. We recognize that he is love, that, that as God, he loves us, and that he is the embodiment of love. That is his being. That is his core nature. You were created by him. All people, all of us, were created in his image. Not all of us recognize that. Not all of us recognize that that craving or that desire that we're seeking, that hole that we're trying to fill, is we, we are supposed to fill it with him. We should be filling it with him but we fill it with other things and we find that we never get that peace or that joy or that fulfillment or that satisfaction that we're looking for. I'm, I'm talking about an everlasting thirst that we have that we're constantly satisfied by it, but we want more. What is our purpose? Josh, go ahead and pull up that second image. There we go. That depends on the level at which the question is asked. If by that we mean whether there is a cosmic universal purpose behind our existence, then the answer is no. As implied by the answer to the first question above, since no plan went into evolving the species Homo sapiens, let alone into producing any particular individual belonging to our species, then obviously it makes no sense to talk of a cosmic meaning of our existence. However, of course, we as individual sentient beings, keyword sentient there, are perfectly capable of attributing meaning to our own life. For most of us, that meaning comes from a combination of having loving relationships and being able to pursue our own goals and interests. The ancient Greeks talked about eudaimonia, a life of flourishing, which consisted of leading a morally virtuous life, striving to excel at whatever it is that interests us and in cultivating friendships and family relations. 
By and large, that ancient concept is confirmed by modern social science, which has uncovered the presence of this those very elements as sources of our happiness and their lack as sources of our unhappiness. Okay, so I've mentioned Sam Harris before. He had uh, recently, not recently, he, there was a debate he did with uh, William Lane Craig called the God Debate 2. It was done at the University of Notre Dame. It was a great debate. You should check it out. But he mentions this. This is his big thing is that he, he uses instead of flourishing, it's well-being is what he talks about. Problem with that is is who defines what well-being is, okay? Let that sit for a minute, all right? So what, are, what, what is he saying here? Okay, so it depends. If it's, if it's a cosmic thing, there is no reason, right? So on, on the big macro scale, there is no reason for uh, uh, or no purpose that we, we have, okay? It was, there's no intention. There was nothing, you know, put there for us. And we have no purpose, right? However, somehow that translates on an individual level that we can create purpose, which amazes me how what are we creating it from? Why do we have purpose? No plan went into evolving the species. It makes no sense to talk of a cosmic meaning of our existence. However, individual purpose as sentient beings. Now, I pointed out that word sentient. That means emotional, sensitive, perceives feelings. We can give our own lives individual meaning. Meaning comes from relationships, goals, interests. The presence or lack of presence determines our happiness or unhappiness. Again, I've got questions, so... How does the collective lack of purpose allow for an individual creation of purpose? How does individual purpose not affect our cosmic purpose? Are they not intertwined? And I can't, it's, I can't see how they're not intertwined because where do we draw the desire to have an individual purpose? On a cosmic scale, whatever got us together, and I believe God, how do we not have those two hand in hand? What other species on earth has the depth of sentience that humans have, okay? So in other words, what other animals do we know of that have the emotions that we have in the depth that we have them? If by and large we are uniquely distinct from other species of animals due to our consciousness, our morality, our emotions, isn't the mere presence of these characteristics evidence an intelligent designer and not a random evolutionary process? Going back to the first question, if no reason exists for our existence and we are simply a biological makeup of cells programmed to survive, how does relationships, goals, interests, and a moral code serve our interests in our survival when kill or be killed seems more logical for a physical world that is void of a moral law? Why would I seek those things if all I'm trying to do is survive? I'm a biological machine. That's all I am. I just want to survive to the next day. Why do I want to survive is a great question. It, I should just be doing to do until I just die. There should be no desire to live. There should be no desire to survive. It's just I'm alive, I'm doing, I die. That's just how it is in, in a world without God. Kill or be killed. Uh, why should I seek? Why do I want to seek uh, relationships? Uh, how are these going to help me flourish? We can sit here and think about how they will help us flourish right now, but the mere presence of those things and in, in my answer to this is that God exists. That's why we have goals and interests in relationships. But you take that away, and as he says, we're just cells put together, you know, randomly and by accident. What, what leads us to have those desires to have those things in our life? So the Christian worldview answer here is God has revealed himself to us through his creation and his word. So we know of his unchanging love, goodness, and faithfulness to us. Our sinful nature wants to be led away from Jesus. It wants to look at everything but Jesus, right? But we 
need to be seek, seeking Jesus, and because God revealed himself to us, we have that opportunity uh, that he's given to us as a gift. His actions taken to reconcile us back to God gives us purpose because Jesus' death and resurrection provides salvation for us. We are no longer doomed to hell and separation from God as long as we accept this gift of salvation in our part after accepting this gift. This hope should stoke in us the desire to want to be with him in eternity, therefore forming and dictating our actions here in this temporary life. That gives us purpose. The world will tell you that God is a mean, vindictive, judgmental God. We can logically and reasonably express why it makes more sense that an intelligent God who loves us and desires nothing but the best for us um, exists rather than uh, a, a judgmental, vindictive, hateful God, um, which they're just taking verses out of the Old Testament and, and New Testament out of context anyways, and that's easily uh, debated and, and disproven. But um, without God completely, then then we have no reason for any of this stuff. There, in matter of fact, those things wouldn't even exist in our vocabulary. He created us in our image, which is where we get our awareness of our consciousness, our emotions, and our feelings, and our ability to think and ponder a biological machine simply reacts to stimuli from its environment. All actions taken by animals in the animal kingdom is in response to inborn calculations or environmental stimuli it experiences. Improving life for a biological, biological machine means to make it to the next day, whatever means necessary. This is why a lion is not put on trial for killing an antelope. Think about that, okay? That would be silly. In a world without God, morals are unnecessary, and so would be putting a person on trial for the intentional or unintentional death of another person. I'm saying in a world without God. All right? It would be just like a lion killing an antelope. That lion is doing it to survive. That lion is not put in jail. That lion is not put on trial. That lion is not accused of murder. That lion is expected to do that, and that's just the way it is. Purpose goes beyond survival. This doesn't compute in a purely evolutionary world without purpose, cosmic or individual. Improving human life means we create art, music, use of philosophy to answer questions like the ones we're answering beyond science's ability to prove. These go beyond the natural world's ability to make sense. The arts are unnecessary in the evolutionary process. Why do we have them? Why do we seek them? Why do we enjoy them? Yet they exist. This is evidence for God, an intelligent designer who gives us purpose. We have purpose because God created us for his purpose. First and foremost, to have a relationship with him as well. That's another purpose. After the fall, God used to, uh, uses us to spread his gospel. That's another purpose. For God gave his only begotten son, Jesus, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life, John three sixteen. Since God, who is love and is good, revealed himself to us and desires to be with us for all eternity, he wants us to share that good news with everyone since he isn't going to force anyone to choose him. That's another sign of a loving God, a God who's willing, who, who it pains him, but he's willing to let somebody not choose him. He loves him that much. Another purpose is for an eternal perspective on life. It gives us something to look forward to. It gives us something to expect. The last question that he talks about, what happens after death? So Josh is going to pull that up. What happens after death? Simply nothing. He could have stopped there. That's all he needed to do. Stop right there. He continues, though, because, again, this is a notion he shouldn't even be answering, but he continues. As Epicurus argued, there is no reason to fear death because death, the most awful of evils, is nothing to us, seeing that when we are, death is not come, and when death is come, we are not. Less poetically, everything we know from modern science tells us that our consciousness and with it our sense of self cease to exist the moment in which our brain stops functioning. 
Our bodies keep going for a while. Indeed, they may even be maintained artificially alive for relatively long periods of time, but eventually succumb to decay. Over a relatively brief period of time, the complex biomolecules, proteins, DNA, that made our life possible disintegrate, and the simpler molecules of which they are composed reenter the cycle of elements in the geobiosphere, possibly to be reassembled in part into other living organisms, be they plants, animals, or bacteria. In no sense, however, does this recycling amount to anything like the sort of reincarnation of which a number of religious and mystical traditions speak. Should this fate worry us? Not according to Epicurus. Why should I listen to Epicurus? I don't know. And I see no reason to disagree with him on either scientific or philosophical grounds. But again, we should not even be considering philosophical grounds because we are biological machines. Science can't tell us anything, all right? Scientists tell us, all right? Um, Frank Turk, he makes that comment, and it's a very uh, simple one, and it's a very true one. Science simply is a method, and it collects data, and then the scientist interprets that data don't believe that every scientist has, uh, you know, is without agenda or bias or anything like that. You know, by the term scientist, they're supposed to be objective, but many are not. Here are my questions. What are the ramifications for believing there is no reason for our existence or that we have a purpose in life and that there is nothing to look forward to after we die? That takes some thinking, right? And, and we have to consider that. What what kind of life do we end up living? And would it be different if we believed or had hope that there was something better for us or we had an expectation there was something worse for us rather than just believing, which it lines up with the answer to this first question, rather than just believing that we just die and go into the dirt. What studies and scientific research tells us that the conscious and sense of self ceases to exist when the brain ceases to function? Now, from a purely scientific standpoint, they can just tell us, well, there's no more brain activity, okay? But there's more to it than that. If science proves that these things cease, when and how did science prove that there is no hell or heaven or afterlife at all? What is the Christian worldview answer on this? And the dust returns to the earth as it was, and the spirit returns to God who gave it. So the Bible clearly uh, is telling us and making the claim that there is more to life after death. But the Bible is telling us is your spirit, <clears throat> which you should believe in, your spirit returns to God. He's the one that gave it to you. Now, it returns to God, but God's going to judge you. And after your judgment, where do you go then? That's the question you need to be asking yourself if you're wrong, if you're an atheist. All right. That is what the scripture mean when they say, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. 1 Corinthians 2, 9. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. I mean, we're talking eternal life there. So, is there life after death? Bible tells us, then he, Jesus, appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. This is a, a creed in 1 Corinthians 15, 6. Paul's telling us, and this is a, a great evidence for the afterlife and for Jesus rising from the dead, um, that he is saying that while he was alive, there are still people alive that saw Jesus after his death, okay? Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. 
We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. And this again continues in Corinthians and 1 Corinthians and that creed that I was talking to you about. Paul is letting us know and he's letting every atheist, secularist, every person out there, look, if you want to disprove my faith in, 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 in Jesus and you want to tear all that down, then you have to disprove that he did not come back from the dead. And he's telling all the Christians at Corinth, he's saying, hey, it all hinges on that. He died, but if he died and didn't come back to life, then we have nothing and we are most to be pitied. So it's a pretty bold statement. He is challenging and he's also telling them, he's like, there are people that witness this. Go talk to them. He could have easily been discounted at this time, but he hasn't and he hasn't been. And they still to this day have come up with several theories, a swoon theory that he wasn't dead and a lot of other theories. There's a twin brother and I mean, just some really outlandish theories, but none of them come to explain why we have an empty tomb and why his body has never been produced. When it, when if it, if he didn't raise from the dead, could have very easily been produced at that time and squashed this whole thing. One more, yet a little while, and the world will see me no more. But you will see me because I live; you will also live. Jesus said to her, and this is the ultimate question: I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Do you believe that? That's a big question. This is the it doesn't make sense segment. And in this segment, what we're going to do is we're going to bring up a meme or a TikTok video or something. And we're going, it's basically going to be trying to say something negative about Christianity. And I'm going to go through that. All right. We're going to sort of uh, straighten it out. All right, we're going to try to make sense uh, from a Christian worldview, but also point out how this doesn't make sense. So, today's meme is, Josh going to throw that up there for us. All right, thought experiment. Imagine the universe exists, but God does not. How would the world be different? It wouldn't, which should tell you something. Thought experiments in a world without God do not make sense. All right. And we talked about this here at the beginning of the show. Um, as a naturalist, there should not be any desire or really ability to just think about things. Um, <clears throat> there would be no Aristotle. There would be no, you know, Socrates. There'd be no philosophers. There'd be none of that. Philosophy would be uh, non-existent. It wouldn't even say dead. It would be non-existent. So, in a world without God, does not make sense. Nor does it is it reasonable for naturalists. Um, to ask me to imagine. So I, you're, you're doing it. Okay. So we'll, we're going to try to imagine. We're going to try to think here uh, in your world without God. So a world without God also would not permit us to be able to do that. Um, think about it. It's not a useful tool for survival. I mean, when, when it's like, you know, fight or flight, I'm not going to have time to think. It's go. Go time, right? Fight or flight. I'm going to fight regardless. I may end up dying, but <clears throat> or I'm going to run. To survive, I'm fighting to survive. I'm fly. Uh, I'm I'm running to survive. I'm not going to sit here and think about what to do. 
That's just not what is in my response. That's not what's inborn. That's not what's in me. As a product of an accidental physical world, purely physical, and the cells and everything that's formed within me should only tell me I need a fight or I need a flight. One of those two, and that's it. And I'm going to get out of here. But thinking is not something I need to do. Every moment uh, is a moment to try to survive in a world without God. And so um, there's no there's no need for hope. There's no need for thinking. Um, if a naturalist is correct and all there is is the natural world, imagination would not be a product of such a world. Uh, it does not serve us, right? We would only be able to accomplish that which the natural world could, could provide. And if, the, if physical things or the, all that's present <clears throat> in material things like thought or um, love, we are uh, a species driven by our feelings in a large sense, feelings that put us in danger, that feelings that um, don't make sense because it's not good for our survival. Just a mere request to do a thought experiment is evidence of an intelligent designer. The better question is, what does the author believe the current reality of the world is? So if you look at the, uh, pull, that, pull that image back up for me, Josh. If you're looking at the image here, okay, he says, imagine the world exists, the universe exists, but God does not. How would the world be different, okay? So what, what does the author mean by different? Uh, physically, metaphysically, supernaturally? I mean, we're, we're not given really this idea of what different means in this question, Right. Um, so we can't answer how it would be different without understanding what the world would be different from. Uh, likewise, oughtness is by and large denied by the majority of intellectual, uh, intellectually honest atheists. So bottom, it says, which should tell you something. Why should it tell me anything? I, I don't understand in a world where God doesn't exist. Why should it tell me anything? You're telling me that the world's different from something if God does not exist, but at the bottom, it says it wouldn't be any different. So I can only assume a couple of things here, okay? According to the author, we ought to understand that with the world as it is, the problem of evil largely proves that there is no God. That's, that's the only thing I can really pull from this is that he is thinking that the, the world is evil, and since uh, God does not exist, you know, that's not going to change. If God was here, then he's not a good God because he's allowing evil to exist, all right? Science and naturalism cannot make moral judgments or statements of oughtness where ethics are concerned. We, we can't sit there and say that we should know something or we ought to know something. It's just do. You just, you just know it or you don't know it. So what would a world without God really look like? All right. That's, that's the real question here. Now, he's trying to tell us that it's not going to look different than what we see now. I can assure you uh, it'll be much worse than what we have now, okay? Much worse in the in the fallen world. This is a fallen world we live in. It would be much worse than the evil atrocities that we see, and and it wouldn't be considered evil. Things would just happen, okay? As Richard Dawkins so eloquently put in 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 his book "River Out of Eden: A Darwinian View of Life," life has quote no design, no purpose, no evil, and no good. Nothing but blind, pitiless indifference. In other words, we wouldn't have words like right and wrong in our vocabulary. We would be uh, killed or be killed. We would be emotionless doing what was needed to survive, just like a lion killing an antelope or a killer whale tossing around a sea lion before devouring it. There would be no evening news uh, reporting on rampant crime. There would be no judicial system or law enforcement. There would be no good Samaritans or, for that matter, good manners. Okay? Think about that. 
Uh, you're not going to be holding the door open for anybody. What does that benefit you to survive? Uh, again, going back to Sam Harrison, his well-being stuff, he says that we do it out of the well-being for humans. Well, what if uh, we look at the Holocaust and Hitler thought for the well-being of humans that he needed to kill uh, millions of Jews? So who's defining what well-being is? Who's defining what flourishing is? In, in a world without God, it could be anybody. Think about that. He was not religious at all. And, and because of this, he felt that it, he was right in doing what he did. And he felt no shame, no guilt, or anything from what we can conclude uh, about that. So you have a world without God. You have a bunch of Hitlers running around. You have that happening. That's terrible. Without God, we, would, we wouldn't even be human beings. We wouldn't have a body. We, you know, um, Again, you say that by chance... And a string of failures, you know, and finally one one happened correctly. And when I say string of failures, beyond what I can even imagine counting, and you as well, and trust me, there's a bunch of zeros behind that. Um, there would be, uh, what would there be? And well, honestly, without God, there'd be nothing, and nothing, in, not not in the sense of a void or a black hole. When I say nothing, nothing is not something we can imagine. It's nothing. It's absolutely nothing. Zero point, um, no energy, no space, no matter, no time, no, none of that. It is empty. It is, gosh, I can't even say empty. I can't even say that it's black. I mean, it's just, there's nothing that you can put with it because I've never experienced it. You've never experienced it. So we, we can't fathom what nothing is. And that's what everything would be if God did not exist. This is why the meme does not make sense. All right, y'all. In conclusion, look, um, those three questions, what, why do we exist? What is our purpose? And, you know, what happens when we die? Um, those, those three questions are questions you and I, we all ask. And the, the thought that this person says that we don't even need to, you know, entertain those thoughts and entertain those questions, it just is amazing to me. There's got to be more to life than, than no or nope or nada, okay? There's more to life than that. And you know it, and you know that. So, I want you to think about that, and I want you to think about you know some of the other things we're going to talk about, things like free will. How do we make sense? Are we, if, if there's no free will, then we're not making choices. We're just programmed to do these things. The origin of life, how does nothing produce something, which is what you know atheists and naturalists try to tell us. Um, the, the cell, it's, it's extremely complex and designed, and, and how does that just by random accidental chance after billions and trillions and zillions and whatever, billions, come together to form a cell, all right, when we know it's extremely complex, fine-tuning, just you take a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and you just slightly tweak it, and then next thing you know, the world, the universe is, is, is gone, completely gone, or just in mass chaos and, and just destroying itself because the universe is so finely tuned from the universe all the way down to our own bodies and to what is happening in, 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 you know, what on our world, you know, with gravity and the distance of the moon and the distance to the sun and all these things for us to even have life here. Fine tuning is a great evidence for why the earth is probably the only planet that actually has, uh, has life like we do. And then reason and morality, like why do we even do these things? Why, why am I doing this podcast? Why do I use reason to figure anything out? Why does that matter? Right. And morality it would not be uh, yes or no, uh, I mean, right or wrong would not be in our vocabulary if God did not exist, if there was no purpose, if we, we don't exist but by accident and chance, 
And if there's nothing after, after our deaths, um, you know, those, none of, none of what he has presented here can answer any of these questions. But the crazy thing is, is he just says, it's not even worth answering. We shouldn't even be asking him. So think about these things, guys. I appreciate you hanging out with me today. We'll be uh, talking in the next episode. Is we're going to be talking about the best-selling book ever of all time, of all history. I think you might know what that is. If not, stay tuned. We'll be having another episode coming up soon. Like, share, follow, uh, ask questions. All right, let's get into some conversation. Uh, we're on several different um, places, so find us and uh, interact with us, guys. I appreciate you. Have a great day, and God bless.